Creating a vision, seeking our passion Great cat, compassion, fashion Made in the US, eco-friendly High quality without getting all spendy We create the best, bringing it to you Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do Dress with compassion, we're a vegan store Gravecat.com for more Hi, this is James Lucas, and this is a vegan fashion and business podcast. Yeah, creating a vision, seeking our passion. Great cat, compassion, fashion. Made in the U.S., eco-friendly. High quality without getting all spendy. We create the best, bringing it to you. Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do. Dress with compassion, we're a vegan store. Gravecat.com for more. Hey, Grape Cats. I'm James Lucas, and welcome to episode 11 of the Grape Cat Vegan Fashion and Business Podcast. More and more people are looking for good quality clothing, bags, and accessories that meet their desire to do their part to lessen the impact on our environment. Grape Cat is the largest online retailer of top quality earth and animal friendly products for the conscientious consumer. At Grape Cat, we do the research that saves you time and money. If you're looking for products that make a difference, visit grapecat.com today. On today's podcast, I talked to Adrian Borgerson, a certified image consultant and owner of It Factor Image Consulting. Adrian is also the editor of La Fashionista Compassionista. Adrian talks about the fashion basics you should have in your closet, working with a fashion consultant, and the problems of wearing wool. Here's Adrian. How did you get started in fashion? I was always interested in fashion and style. I was um, very influenced by my mother, who's always been very stylish. My grandmother was actually a seamstress, and she made a lot of my clothes and my sister's clothes when we were kids. And I always loved how my mom would coordinate us. We wouldn't match, but our outfits always went with each other. So I have very distinct memories of watching her doing her hair and makeup and being fascinated and sneaking into her bathroom and trying it all out. Um, and my, my family are also very guided by music. They're very musical. So, of course, music and fashion go hand in hand. So I think it was just kind of inherent in my personality and, and in my natural life to be interested in fashion and go in that direction. Now, you started off in music, right? Yes, I did. What was your job in the music industry? Oh, I worked for uh, major record labels for many years, for over 20 years. I had an operations and pre-production role where my job was to make sure that the actual physical product, the CDs and even the cassettes back then and, and vinyl all looked the way it was supposed to look and said what it was supposed to say and it sounded the way it was supposed to sound. And uh, my job in particular was in the international department. So we had to take a lot of the, the artists and kind of make them more conducive to a different culture, like the way it would be cool in Japan or in Germany or in, or in Italy or in South America. So I got a lot of exposure to different kinds of photo shoots, different looks for them, different even like remixes for them. So, you know, that all 
spun into my head about, you know, the connection between music and fashion and all the things that that I've always loved. And is that where you started dressing people? Um, well, I didn't personally dress them. I was I was involved in kind of explaining the look that we were going for, kind of liaising between like the Japanese office or the German office and showing the art department photos and, and looks of, of what we thought was going to translate well in, in that region. So that kind of connected, you know, styling in, in that way. The same album would have a different styling, which country it showed up in? Yeah, a lot of times we would have to do a whole other photo shoot just to just so the art department would have something uh, something to work with. It wasn't just about changing a color or changing the angle. Sometimes the whole style just had to be completely different. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that the expense that goes into marketing an album in a different country. I never thought of it. I thought they just pressed it and then sent it out. Yeah, well, I mean, even books and, you know, a, a lot of products look different around the world. Like a, the book cover, like for the Harry Potter series here, looks completely different in England. It looks completely different, you know, in, in other parts of the world because that's what people are going to be attracted to based on their, their local culture. So it's definitely the same with music and the music industry. It's an industry, so... They have to do that. Who has had a tremendous impact on you? Well, my mother, of course. Both my parents greatly influenced my love of music and art. My family and my very close friends for many years taught me loyalty and camaraderie and friendship and forgiveness and and even compassion. In the vegan community, I would say Victoria Moran, certainly through the Main Street Vegan Academy. Kathy Stevens of Catskill Animal Sanctuary probably taught me everything I know about farm animals. The way she tells a story and becomes so overwhelmed with emotion, I can't help but feel what she feels in that moment. My first and still favorite vegan cookbooks are by Issa Chandra Moskowitz. That's how I figured out how to make vegan food taste good. In fashion, Diane von Furstenberg as an artist and entrepreneur. Alexander McQueen, I love just for his irreverence and how he saw fashion as art. I might not agree with all of their choices, but I see things and think about things the way I do from being exposed to and studying them. And musically, Led Zeppelin, most of all, and a lot of hard rock and heavy metal bands, um, believe it or not. That music taught me passion and fierceness and letting go of inhibitions. I'm a pretty shy and introverted person, but when I listen to music, all that vulnerability goes away and I feel really free. So definitely had a tremendous impact on me. What's the biggest lesson you've learned about fashion? Uh, I think studying fashion taught me that rules are meant to be broken. When I got my image consulting certification, we learn a lot about what shapes and colors go with what and how to balance things to be the most aesthetically pleasing. But I like things better when you throw that all out the window and experiment. I always tell my clients that I give them guidelines, not rules. Nothing in life ever stays the same, so your style certainly shouldn't. What keeps you interested in fashion? Fashion is art, and art imitates life. And I'm definitely a student of life. People's behavior fascinates me. I'll tell you a secret. I watch all of the Housewives shows on Bravo because just the way that, that those people interact with each other is like, it's like crack to me. It's amazing. Um, so in fashion, I love watching how fashion evolves and then repeats itself and parallels what's going on in the world. And it's the same with music. It's even the same with war. 
humans are just absolutely fascinating and how we adorn ourselves is endlessly interesting to me. What drives you mad about fashion? Well, besides the animal abuse, obviously, I would say waste, especially the, the fast fashion that's happening now. It's like the consumer culture has gone completely rogue. Fashion and style have become about never wearing the same thing twice and following all these trends that change weekly. And I'm all for a sale and a bargain, but not at the price of getting lost in a marketing scheme and becoming a follower drone. The industry, it just, it's become all about profit and not necessarily creating something to express themselves, which is what fashion should be. Is there a piece of clothing that someone should invest in right now? I do think that it's, it's smart just for, you know, because everybody has a really busy life to have a certain amount of basics in their wardrobe, you know, men and women, like, you know, really well fitting jeans uh, for women, jeans that are the correct length for the shoes that they're wearing, a pair of long jeans for high heels and a pair of, you know, shorter jeans for, for flats. Uh, a, a well-structured jacket, a nice, you know, crisp white shirt, a really great pair of shoes in a crazy color that really offsets, you know, your basics if you're in a hurry, fabulous handbag, you know, just really basic structured pieces that you can just throw on, you know, you're going to look good, it fits well, and you're off. Where should the bottom of the jeans hit someone? Well, if you're wearing flats, it should hit, you know, right between your ankle and your and your heel. So it's not dragging on the floor, but it's not too short. And if you're wearing high heels, it should hit right in the middle of the length of the heel. Where do you get your fashion ideas from? I don't know that I have fashion ideas. I'm an image consultant, so what I'm good at is helping people find their personal style and bring out their ideas. I work with all kinds of people, like someone who's going on corporate job interviews or a pregnant woman who doesn't want to spend a lot of money on maternity clothes. And I also work with up-and-coming artists and musicians who want to make that important visual impact to support their music. So a lot of my ideas come from getting to know them and collaborating with them. It's always really fun and satisfying when we put together outfits and they feel amazing. So when they feel like they're ready to take on the world, that's a great fashion idea. What do you wish you knew before starting your image consultant business? How hard it is to be an entrepreneur. I wish... I had saved every penny I could over the years if I had known I was eventually going to go this path. I don't think I quite understood what the impact on my life was going to be going from a regular paycheck and health insurance to not knowing exactly how much I'm going to make in a week or a month. It can be really scary and make you want to run right back to a cubicle. Almost. Not quite. Almost. What's your key piece of advice on starting an image consultant business? Besides really understanding what it is to run your own business, I would say be prepared to be somewhat of a therapist. People are very attached to their things, especially their clothes. So you're helping them evolve their sense of identity, which is not always so easy. So you need to be patient and compassionate, but firm to help them make these changes. Because it's for them. You know, my, my tagline is be your best you. So it's, it's somewhat of a, of a hand-holding experience to get people to embrace 
what they really want to look like and, and what they want to express to the world. When and why did you become vegan? I became fully vegan in 2008 after being vegetarian on and off for about 20 years. For me, it was always about the animals. It, it took me a long time to fully understand what was happening to the animals. I was definitely not educated on it. Most of what I know now didn't even occur to me until I was well into adulthood. I was a happy vegetarian for a long time before I even knew about the dairy and egg industry. And I didn't make the connection about leather and wool until even after that. But once I found out that final transition, it happened pretty quickly. I made it, I made it work because no way could I participate in any of that cruelty. Now, I've been asked questions about wool. What's your take on why we shouldn't wear wool. Most people think that, you know, the sheep are living out in a nice pretty field and they just get a they get a nice haircut every so often. But that's not at all what happens to those sheep. Wool is a mass market now. So sheep are treated like any other factory farmed animal and they're in enclosed spaces. Some of them never see the light of day. They're given hormones to grow bigger, so they grow more wool, which makes them not be able to walk very well and not, you know, have a quality of life. One of the terrible things that happens to them is that because they grow so big, they get folds in their skin and flies start to, because they're in barns, the flies start to get into the folds of their skin and lay eggs. And you know what happens when a fly lays an egg. Those are, those are maggots. So the way that the industry takes care of that is by performing something called mulesing, which is actually just cutting off that skin, just cutting it off to get rid of whatever is infected. And there's no anesthetic, and it's, they're, they're not taken care of, and it gets infected again, and the sheep are in a lot of pain. And the other thing, of course, that happens is the shearing process is not that nice haircut. They shear for speed. They do it very quickly and they're not, the people are not concerned if the sheep are bleeding or scared or uncomfortable. They're just a commodity. There's absolutely no quality of life. And once a sheep isn't giving the kind of wool anymore, if it gets older, it's, it's slaughtered. It's slaughtered for meat or it's just, it's gotten rid of because it's not valuable to the company anymore. So wool is definitely a vegan no-no. Why did you become a vegan lifestyle coach? When I learned about Victoria Moran's program, the Main Street Vegan Academy, I had been vegan for a couple of years, but I felt very isolated. I didn't know a lot of other vegans. So I thought it would be a good way to not only better understand the vegan lifestyle, but meet like-minded people and also meet some of the people I was reading about and seeing speak at various events and had come to really admire. I knew I would get some business coaching as well, but learning how to coach people to transition to the vegan lifestyle, that wasn't really my goal. That's That was more like a bonus. What is the one behavior or trait that you have seen derail more vegan? I would say the taste of the food, and learning to balance a new way of eating. I've heard so many people say that they gave up because they felt sick or they felt too hungry. The American diet is so hyper-flavored with salt and sugar and processed junk that they're addicted to it. Americans are very spoiled that way, and if food doesn't taste the way they're used to, they give up. And Americans are also so diet obsessed, it's hard for them to understand that they need to eat more of whole foods to feel full and satisfied. And they don't want to, they just don't, Americans don't like change. 
it's very difficult. What are the biggest lies, myths, and misconceptions about veganism? Well, let me put it this way. Everything the average person knows, in America anyway, about food is a lie, myth, or misconception. The meat, dairy, and egg industry have very powerful lobbies and are subsidized by the government. They can afford massive advertising campaigns and work in, conjun in conjunction with the FDA and USDA to make you believe you need to eat animal products. If fruit and vegetable farmers had those kind of lobbies, we'd be eating very differently. If you see food advertised on TV, you probably shouldn't eat it. And, and that goes for fashion, too. Leather, fur, and wool are seen as very high quality and they have status attached to them. But it's just not true. They smell and get ruined when they get wet. The new polyfibers that have come out, they're so much more comfortable. They're so much more durable. They're equally, if not more, beautiful as aesthetically. It's just the perception forced upon us by the media. And don't you think it's strange that big ag needs laws to protect them from people finding out what they do to animals behind closed doors? You know, we don't have enough time in this podcast for me to go into how I feel about what I know and what powerful companies do to make veganism seem like a crazy cult. What is a step someone could take today to become vegan? I would say educate yourself. Watch a movie like Cowspiracy or Forks Over Knives, or if you're very brave, watch Earthlings. You know, be open to the truth and take any step, whether it's diet or lifestyle related. There are so many ways to begin to incorporate change. Just pick one that feels right to you. Why did you start La Fashionista Compassionista? My lovely magazine. My friend Lois Eastland and I, we wanted to work on something together to help promote our businesses and help advocate for the animals. She's a fashion designer, and me being an image consultant, something fashion-related made sense. First, we thought we'd write a book on vegan fashion, but really, who's going to write a book written by us? Nobody knows who we are. So we decided to start the magazine. This way, we could keep reporting on all the great products that regularly come out, build a following of people who are looking for this information, and even people who just love fashion and want to see all of the choices. A lot of what we show, you'd never see in Vogue because it's so new, and these designers just don't have the relationships with those editors. So Lois and I love fashion magazines, but you know they all showcase leather and fur and wool and silk, not to mention products tested on animals. And we knew we could create something that gives the same experience as any other magazine without all of the cruelty. And we wanted to give these these new compassionate, cruelty-free designers and beauty companies a platform for their products and help educate people on what's going on and give them new choices. So that that was the basis of starting the magazine. What was in your last issue? The cover story for our last issue was Laura Theodore, the jazzy vegetarian. Um, we try to incorporate some lifestyle stuff uh, along with, with fashion. Laura is is amazing. She has such an impact on so many people through her TV show. But we also we did a fashion editorial on on coats. You know, you wouldn't think that, you know, your your coat would be a, a big deal in the vegan community, but most of them are made from wool. People think that wool is the only thing that's that's warm. But as I was saying before, there are so many poly blends and even cotton is actually really warm it's just a matter of layering so we wanted to show people all these fabulous choices that you have in a in a winter coat what has been your biggest struggle my biggest struggle is time 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 it's an enormous effort to put the magazine together and still run your business and right now 
Lois has actually stepped down as the co-editor to focus more on her business and take care of some personal matters. And I know she really needs to do that right now. I totally understand. But I'm not going to give up and fold. So it's just me right now overseeing the contributors, finding content, leading the photo shoots, and, and putting it all together. I have, I have advertisers supporting me, and all of our readers are counting on me. So I got to do it. It's going to happen. What's your biggest victory? Well, putting out the first issue, starting with nothing but an idea, was a big victory. But I, I guess getting this next issue out by myself and nailing down a new plan, that will be an enormous victory. What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for so much. I really believe that an attitude of gratitude is the way to live. And I'm not saying I'm always so positive, but I'm always grateful for every lesson. I'm grateful that I woke up to what's happening to animals in this world and can be a voice for them. It's really hard sometimes to know all the pain and suffering that happens every minute of every day to those animals. But I'm grateful that I've built strength and resilience to handle the naysayers with grace and stand in my truth. There is no going back for me. This is my life now. Very grateful for it. What is the best way for people to contact you? Oh, um, to contact me about the magazine you can email me at info at lafcnyc.com. And the website is lafcnyc.com. And to contact me about image consulting, you can email me at adrianb66. That's A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-B-66 at gmail.com. And my website is itfactorimage.nyc. Those are the best ways. Thank you. Thank you, James. Thank you for listening to the Grape Cat Vegan Fashion and Business Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find the show notes at grapecat.com. Do us a favor before you go, please take a few seconds to rate this podcast. It is a key way to get this podcast higher in the ranks, which will make it more accessible to people who truly need this information. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Make sure you never miss a future episode of this podcast by subscribing. If you have any questions or guest ideas, please send them to podcast at grapecat.com. Thank you for dressing compassionately. Yeah, creating a vision, seeking our passion. Great cat, compassion, fashion. Made in the U.S., eco-friendly. High quality without getting all spendy. We create the best, bringing it to you. Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do. Dress with compassion. We're a vegan store. Grapecat.com for more.